If you looked at the bulletin, you saw that my text is 2 Timothy. I'm not going to preach on the whole book, so don't get scared. It can be a long sermon. hope you had lots of coffee. But I'm going to look at some of the passages in this epistle that deal with fear and how God can give us victory, breaking the chains of fear. Let's bow in prayer then as we begin. Oh God, it is good to praise you today, to fix our eyes on Jesus, to look full in his wonderful face, to realize that by faith we are children of the promise. By faith we know that Jesus lives and we can face tomorrow. We don't need to fear death. We are more than conquerors, Lord Jesus, because you have loved us. Lord, I pray that you would break the chains of fear in our lives. No matter who we are, there are ways, there are times, there are circumstances in which we are afraid. Thank you, Lord, that you have come to encourage and strengthen this day. As we open the pages of your word, may your spirit... Guide us into your truth, Lord Jesus. Your word is everlasting truth, for we pray in your name. Amen. Marjorie Palmer tells the story about a time when her family gathered at a state park in Kentucky for a camping vacation. And she had a six-year-old grandson by the name of Philip, and he had grown up in the city, and so this was a little bit on the edge for him to be camping out in the wild. And all the bear stories that he heard, he took pretty seriously. And he slept in a tent that night with his two older brothers, and during the night they heard a sound, and they thought, this has got to be a bear. And so they came to uh, their aunt and uncle's tent and said, we hear a bear growling. And sure enough, a low rumbling sound shattered the quiet of the night. Uh, Pinpointing the sound, however, Aunt Barb reassured the frightened boys that there was nothing to fear. It really wasn't a bear. It was Grandma who was snoring. (laughs) So, it isn't always Grandpa who is the snorer. Sometimes it's grandma as well. No matter who we are, we all face circumstances that cause us to fear. And I would say that sometimes we have good reason to fear. There are situations that are just fearsome. (laughs) And we need to bring those fears to Jesus. And at other times we probably have no good reason at all to fear. But whether it is warranted or not... Fear can be like chains that bind us. One of those in Scripture who seemed to be especially prone to fear was this young pastor, this young man by the name of Timothy. And so Paul encourages him in this letter that we can break the chains of fear. And there's three particular fears I want to focus on this morning. And I would imagine that all of us have experienced this at one time or another, maybe on a regular basis. First of all, by faith, we can be free of the fear of 
witnessing. Are you afraid to <laughs> witness, afraid to speak out for Jesus? Now we know as believers that we have been given a great commission. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. But sometimes witnessing is a fearful thing. There's the fear of, of being ridiculed. There's the fear of persecution. There's the fear of, of rejection. There's the fear that as someone's going to ask me a question and I won't be able to answer it. And it's much easier to just say nothing, isn't it? I like the uh, story that Billy Sunday told about a Christian who was going to get a job at a lumber camp. And he was warned, he said, these guys are, are pretty rough characters. And when they find out that you are a Christian, you are going to face some difficulty. He said, I need the job. And so he went and took the job. And about a month later, this friend saw him and he said, well, how's it going? Are you being persecuted for your faith? He said, no, not a bit. He said, they don't even know that I'm a Christian. How is it with you? Do people know that you're a Christian? Are you one of those who just, I'm not going to say anything? Well, if you think that fear of witnessing is peculiar to lay people, let me tell you that it is not. Uh, even Paul, as he writes to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3, as he describes his ministry in Corinth, he said, I was with you and weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And I don't know if that surprises you, but we think of this, this Apostle Paul as being a man that was never afraid. <laughs> and yet he faced fear. Timothy was a man who obviously faced fear. In fact, this seems to be one of the, the probably the main thing that he struggled with. Look at First Corinthians chapter 16, verses 10 and 11. Paul says, Now if Timothy comes... See that he is with you without cause to be afraid. For he is doing the Lord's work as I also am. So let no one despise him, but send him on his way in peace, so that he may come to me, for I expect him with the brethren. So if Paul is writing ahead to the Corinthians and telling them when, when Timothy comes... Don't scare him. Don't give him reason for fear. And so this must have been an, an ongoing challenge for Timothy. And we find then the same thing in 2 Timothy. Look at chapter 1, uh, starting at verse 6, where Paul says, For this reason I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity or a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of discipline. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. So Paul encourages Timothy not to fear. And one reason he ought not to fear is because, as he says in verse 8, that it is the power of God that enables us to be bold in our testimony. 
Don't be ashamed of me or of the testimony of our Lord, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. We don't find it in us. We find weakness and we find fear. But there is power in the Lord's presence in our lives. And that's why Jesus said, when the Spirit of God comes upon you, you shall receive power and you shall be my witnesses. And if you're approaching, witnessing in your own strength, that you're just going to drum it up within you, you will, you will fall on your face. We come in the power of God. We come in our weakness and say, God, fill me with your power. Give me the strength to testify for you. Paul gave a pattern of what this was like in his own life. And there's something about a flesh and blood example, isn't there, that encourages us? In chapter 1, verse 11, Paul talks about him being appointed as a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. And he says, For this reason I also suffer these things, but I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. And so Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, I'm not ashamed to be his servant. Again, because of God's power working in him. And again, he points to another example, a man by the name of Onesiphorus. Chapter 1, verse 15, he says, You are aware of the fact that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. The Lord grant mercy to the house of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me, and he was not ashamed of my chains. When he was in Rome, he eagerly searched for me, and he found me. And so Paul is saying, Timothy, look at my life. God has entrusted the gospel to me. God has given me the power to be a witness. Look at the life of Onesiphorus. Here is another man whom God used to be bold for him. As if to say, Timothy... If God has used others, He can use you. If God has given them the boldness to be witnesses, He can give you that same boldness. As you come to Him in your weakness, asking God to give you strength. I think of my grandfather so often when I think of someone who was bold, a witness. He was not ashamed of the gospel. He was not afraid to ask someone if they knew Jesus. Some years ago, he was uh, going around town, house to house, helping bring water to the city, little town that he grew up in. And he would go and he'd present the need to have city water. And then before he left, with every one of those homes, he would say, I want to tell you about another kind of water. That's the living water. That is Jesus who came to give us life. And every household in that little town heard the gospel of Jesus from the lips of my grandfather. Boldness. And that's what we need to pray for. God, give me that boldness. God, work in my life. Fill me with your spirit. Take away the fear of, of opening my mouth and, and sharing the good news. You know what I find? It's easier to open my mouth here on Sunday morning than it is to open my mouth somewhere else. And so I need to pray to God. Give me that courage. 
Give me that boldness. Take away the fear of witnessing. The second fear that we face, by faith we can be free of of fear of the future. Look at the world around us. Isn't it kind of fearful, wondering, you know, where are we headed? What's going to come? Look at chapter 3 of 2 Timothy. Paul describes what is coming. He says, but realize this, verse 1, that in the last days difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such men as these. Doesn't sound too good, does it? And you kind of compare what our culture is like today with what Paul writes here. There's a lot of, lot of commonality, isn't there? But that's only part of it. Jesus says in Luke 21, verse 26, that in the last days men will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world. And so the future is going to bring some fearful things. And so how, how do we deal with those, this kind of, of fear? Well, if you know Jesus, you don't need to fear the future because he is in control of the future. And Paul explains this to Timothy by pointing out an illustration from the past in chapter 3. In verse 6, he says, For among them are those who enter into households and captivate weak women, weighed down with sins, led on by various impulses, always learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth, just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses. So these men also opposed the truth, men of depraved mind, rejected in regard to the faith. Who are Janus and Jambres? (laughs) Uh, They were some of the magicians that we find in the book of Exodus. Remember when Moses brought the ten plagues upon Egypt because Pharaoh would not let the Israelites go? And they copied some of the miracles that Moses and Aaron did. They turned a staff into a snake, the Nile River to blood, brought frogs upon the land. But that's all that these men, by Satan's power, were able to do. God would not allow them to thwart his plan. And as Paul speaks of evil men in the last days, he says the same thing in verse 9 of chapter 3. He says that they will not get very far because God is in control of the future. God will not allow anything to happen to thwart the work of His kingdom. And if that is true for His church and the world as a whole, we can trust that the same is true in our lives. When God is in control of the future, we do not need to live in fear. We need to remember that, that God is still on the throne. When you read your newspaper and you watch 
television and you read what's online, remember that God has not abandoned this world. He is still ruling and reigning. And we can rest in that. We don't have to fear the future. Luther, in his autobiography, says, I have one preacher that I love better than any other on earth. It wasn't Philip Melanchthon, if you're guessing. It is my little tame robin who preaches to me daily. I put crumbs upon my windowsill, especially at night. He hops onto the windowsill when he wants his supper, takes as much as he desires to satisfy his need. From thence he always hops to a little tree close by and lifts, lifts up his voice to God and sings his carols of praise and gratitude, tucks his little head under his wings and goes fast to sleep and leaves tomorrow to look after itself. He is the best preacher that I have on earth. Catch that phrase, he leaves tomorrow to care for itself. I think Luther was thinking of what Jesus said, look at the birds of the air. They don't toil, they don't spin. And let your heavenly Father feeds them. And then Jesus goes on to say, don't worry about tomorrow, for you got enough today. Don't, don't bring tomorrow's worries into today. Don't worry about the future. So by faith, we can be free of the fear of witnessing. By faith, we can be free of the fear of the future. And then finally, by faith, we can be free of the fear of death. Hebrews 2 verse 15 says that there are people who are held in slavery by their fear of death. And some people don't even want to use the word death. You notice that in our culture today? People don't want to say he died while he passed on. Something about the word death that we, we just don't like to, to, to use. Too scary to talk about death. And yet Paul, as he wrote about death in Philippians chapter 1 verse 21, he said, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. To die is, is gain. And through death, God will protect the believer. And Paul writes about that in, in chapter 4, verse 18 of this epistle. He says, The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed, and He will bring me safely to His heavenly kingdom. To Him be the glory forever and ever. Reminds me of Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And so Jesus will take us through that dark valley of death and, and bring us into the presence of Jesus forevermore. Why would we fear something that is going to bring us into the presence of, of Jesus? He will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. And when he brings us safely to his heavenly kingdom, there will be reward for those who have faithfully served him. And Paul writes about that in chapter 4. 
In verse 6 he says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. The time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. No need to fear death. When you know Jesus as your Savior, he will usher you into his presence forever. Death will just bring you to glory. Why would we fear coming into the the presence of Jesus forevermore? Now, we don't know what the process of dying is going to be like, and, and sometimes that's what causes us fear. But we ought not fear death if we know Jesus. We're just saying that because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He lives, all fear is gone. Because I know He holds the future. I can face uncertain days because He lives. Are you living in fear? Let God take your fear. He can break the chains that bind you and give you that freedom. Because of God's power, we don't need to be afraid of witnessing. Because of God's plan, we don't need to be afraid of the future. Because of God's protection, we don't need to be afraid of death. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you live. You conquered the grave. You make intercession for us now. You are our advocate before the Father. And one day you will come again. And we thank you that we can rest in your promises today. We can rest in your care. We can trust our future to you. We can trust, Lord, that you're going to enable us to live this life as a believer in you in victory. Oh God, we are dependent upon you. In ourselves, we are weak. In ourselves, we fail, but we are more than conquerors through you, Lord Jesus, who loves us so. Father, do your work in our hearts today for the glory, for the praise of your name. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.